Hi, this is Madeline, a.k.a. Groisha, founder of Growing With The Seasons. Our new voice, Season 1, is the foundation of the intergenerational conversation. It's been in my heart to do. We need more mirrors and voices to inspire our choices. For in the reflection of each other, we all grow wiser. I know I have. To learn more or get involved in this and other co-creations and conversations, check out the website, gwtsfamily.com. We offer many ways to help you groom your authentic expression. Here we grow. Hello, welcome back to Our New Voice. Here we are with the one of the hearts that came to speak with mine and learning about him has been so much fun. You know, he really brings family and some of that Italian energy that comes from the same kind of people I come from. So I want to thank you, Ryan, for being one of the voices. Welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. So he's in his 40s, and we're going to see what his thoughts are about the questions. So you ready, Ryan, if I start to ask you the questions? I'm ready, Madeline. All right. So the first question that we're wondering about is, how were you informed of your gender? or How did you come to understand yourself the way you identify? Very, very, very young. Very young. Probably in preschool, kindergarten. I think I've always, I, I, I have to say, not to sound too misogynistic or, or masculine in a way, but I was attracted to women. And I think that kind of led me into then realizing the difference between, you know, male and female, and then also having an older brother and a father and male friends and finding myself with the like-minded behaviors and processes of other young boys and men around me. So I would say somewhere between probably kindergarten and first, second grade on my own, by my own devices, you can always try to raise by a woman slowly. But I do feel that I think just my reflection with other men around me and my preference for relationships with the opposite sex is the way I develop that. And then, of course, going through puberty later with, you know, showing improving and masculinity and that type of stuff, the typical male story. But I would say, yeah, between kindergarten and first grade, I knew that I was a boy and identified that I was going to become a young man. And what kind of messages did you get about being a boy? Like, what were some of the mirrored reflections about what that meant? I think good and bad a little bit, in a way, as I was a we've spoke about my relationship with my father and being raised by a woman and having some some negative aspects about what it means to be a man a little bit and you know the the domineering or possessive or the financial security or workplace security that manhood was presented to me as was a little off-putting i think to a certain degree Financial responsibility, you're saying? So, like the fact that you might have thought, I've got to provide, I got to make it all happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, you know, I think having some other men that I've seen in my life with that that were so manly from the generation they would come from, there was an aversion towards that as well. But it still um, inspired me just to be a better version of the man that that I thought I was, you know, or I wanted to be. And that I'm becoming. But yes, yeah, so I had a kind of like a dual image of what a man was, being that my family was broken up and my mother did slowly raise me. And I saw my father very, very limited up until when I was a teenager. 
And I learned probably a lot more from my friends and mimicking and things like that. But yeah, definitely just fear of responsibility or wanting to take it on, feeling possessive over the idea of, of, of taking care of looking out for my mom. And that's followed through in all my relationships in my life and finding balance in that. And I think up until having kids, it was t- distorted. And now I'm kind of really creating it of what it really means for me to be a man because now there's other people looking at that, meaning my sons. Yeah, it's really amazing what a, what a gift it is to have these little mirrors come in, right? They really mature us so organically and they help us like reclaim parts of ourselves that might've got lost, you know? I've noticed in families in tracking that certain things will happen to their kid around the same age that it happened to them. Weird, yeah. And I'm always fascinated by that, but I believe it's all connected to the cards, but I won't divert. But yeah, it's really interesting how there seems to be a way that we're always being moved forward if we're open to the possibility of, you know, changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see it too. Yeah. So now that you kind of already brought us there, the next question is, what did you learn about yourself in relationships? Like, how did the idea or knowing you were a man being attracted to women and the provider idea that you were holding, how did it show up and play out in your relationship? Different experiences and different relationships and ultimately leading me up to the relationship with my wife, which is the ultimate relationship that I'm working on always. I think different stages of my maturity, I guess, they, they act out in different ways. You know, in my younger relationships, you know, all affection, all love, all sex, all, you know, being sweet and loving, but then also that lack of maturity and experience in relationships and not having a really good blueprint to look at how people interact and relate with each other in an intimate relationship or in a partnership, not having that. I think at that time when I was young, I felt like it was a curse. I didn't know what I was doing. It was kind of a scapegoat to make mistakes, you know, or behave in certain ways. And I had to learn a lot on my own. So I always, like my wife and I would joke, both of us have been through enough relationships to have some maturity in relationships now. I'm like, gee, if I didn't go through those, and every one of those girls that I was with, not too many, just a couple of issues where I was with my wife, but they were long-term relationships, were stepping stones to knowing what I really wanted from a person when I wanted from a partner and meeting my wife is why, you know, I never thought I was going to get married or have a family. And when I came to that place with her, I was very sure that's what I wanted. So I, I learned, I learned, you know, I had to go, through, I, had, I had to make some, some mistakes that I've seen my father make and go through the same ones, which then helped me to forgive and understand him even more from those kind of innate parts of being a man as testosterone or sex drive or fidelity or, or, you know, whatever it may be. And, you know, kind of went through these stages where each one of them was an educational process to where now, like, I feel like I'm in my master's class with my wife, you know? Nice. I like the master's class. And what a nice way to like kind of take the lessons and keep going and not like recycle the pain, you know, because I think at least I know in my experience, you know, a lot of the women I, you know, my familiars, my mirrors, we would say, oh, I married my father or I married my mother. Do you know what I mean? And I think because we have these projection contracts and these like frequency things that happen between our parents, we're drawn to it, but we're really drawn to it to kind of individuate from it and grow on so we can go to the master class like you speak of. Yeah, I can do the agree. Yeah, it's interesting. 
Nice. And there anything else? Like, what about your relationships with other men and to be able to kind of like balance your hearts and be authentic there? How about that part? I have really healthy relationships with other men. It really, I have to say, a really positive and healthy relationship with most most men in my life. You know, I did have rocky relationships with my brother. I walked relationships with my, with my father. But some of the men that I have in my life now are probably some of the strongest relationships that I have. And I feel, I, I think, kind of being heart-based the way my mother was, the way she raised me, I speak to my, my male friends like that. I think sometimes it takes some of them off guard to a certain degree. And then as our friendships develop and they grow, I have really healthy, almost therapeutic type relationships with my male friends. They're really positive. Well, that's wonderful to hear. That's so great because, I mean, honestly, in the reflection of each other is how we grow. I mean, part of the intention of the show is to make circles beyond these circles so that people can be reflected because that's a great luxury to have the ability to stay in your heart and not grow authentic relationships with brothers and not keep them in some kind of posture, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I do have a little bit of a natural ability of disarming certain men and, and kind of like, like, well, you know, especially, especially at this age that we're at now, for a father with sons, or I have fathers that are friends that with daughters, or, or or sons and daughters, and everybody's like, "Well, I want to show and prove. I want to be the best husband in town. I want to be the best dad in town. I want to be the best coach. I want to be the best person for you know helping out in school. And and I want my wife to keep me in a good light. All the other parents, all the kids. And there's this like new type of masculinity that popped out amongst men. And I'm it's, it's very easy for me to pinpoint that and be very kind of let my shoulders down. And I think some of the other dads and friends that I've made in the last couple of years really appreciate that role that I play for them, you know? So I'll get a call once time. Hey, man, I just want to talk to you. Remember that conversation we were having last week? You know, my kid's getting picked on. My wife did this. I want your opinion on it because my other buddy will just tell me, you know, go out and do this or just tell her to go F off or just, you know, you're making money. You deserve to do whatever you want. And I was lucky enough to go through enough things in my life, my relationships to feel that I could be in a place to give that advice to friends. And then they come back and give me the things that I need from them as well too. You know, sometimes some of those dads give me a little slap on the back, like, yeah, you got to toughen up a little bit, man, take your kid and go do this. Or, you know, speak to your wife in this way. And, and we learn from each other. And I think that's a big thing that's going on in the world right now too, between men. I think that the man role is changing specifically in our country. And especially in the Northeast up here, it's very economic-based, success-based type of a thing. And we're we're all learning that, you know, our wives are playing just as much of a role in our lives financially as we are. And it's a different world. And you don't need to feel so emasculated by it. And that, yeah, maybe we should be doing a little bit more of what the mother role was in home and letting them take that over and giving it up gracefully and sharing in this and not being so possessive and being more trusting and, you know, being, showing, you know, characters. I think men have a long time ingrained process of doing whatever we want if we provide financially. And I think a lot of us are coming to the same thing. Well, we can't provide solely financially. So therefore, we, we should have never been allowed to do whatever we wanted anyway because we were doing that. But we also have to take a look at now, well, this is a 50-50 position in life that we're in right now. And I am taking over some roles as a mother. And she is taking over roles, the typical roles of a man. And 
I should take a look at what I do when nobody's looking, you know? And I think that that's what we're really doing, right? Whatever we're doing when nobody's looking is what we're really that's, doing. Maybe it's, that's the, that's it. Yeah. Just make sure you just characters doing the right thing when nobody's looking, right? Mm-hmm. So, that's I, think, I think I love the way you brought in there when you said, I'm making the money so I can do whatever I want. You know, that whole anywhere, that instant gratification or that brat. Like sometimes I feel like we're all brats in recovery, which I know I've said to you at times. Like mm-hmm. it's like we definitely are all surrendering to this. I get to do this because I'm this way. It's like, no, you still have to be conscious of what you're doing yeah. and balance and divine reciprocity because in that dynamic where the men could do whatever they wanted because they were making the money, there was a, wasn't a balance in giving and receiving. I think, I think women are experiencing that too. And I think they're getting the opportunity. I mean, I'm blessed enough with, with my marriage experience and my wife, where she sees me checking myself on my behavior. There's this healthy competitive issue between us of doing that equivalently for the other one. So the better I do, the more I'm checking my behavior and being present for not just myself, but my children and her, and not just financially, she seems to acknowledge it. And I think I want that. I think I'm seeing that in a lot of families in my neighborhood alone, a little small microcosm of, of dads and moms that we have around. Well, that is changing. These are super, super change in the whole dynamics of, the, of a household. I mean, way different than our generation. Way, way different. Way different. So we, we have to look at things. And I think the way we were taught to look at things not necessarily was was right. You know, and I think it's, re, it's, it's reformulating itself. It's a way of rearranging itself. You know, changing with it, I think, is the trick. I humility. Wonder- I think humility is a really big thing, especially for men and women both. Yeah, that's what I was just going to, because like when you talked about the competitive way that you help to create accountability, there needs to be a way that you don't meet the level of defense that comes from the ability, you know, to accept that, oh, wow, I, I have fallen out of grace or I am moving in a way that's not conscious, you know, and we be able to acknowledge that without biting somebody or hurting somebody because it's so hard to accept that you could be off mark. Yeah. Yeah, I, guess, I mean, I mean, I don't know necessarily how to do it, but when things are optimal for myself, my wife, I think a playful approach to doing it with the, almost being like unspoken is that we're just, we're trying to be the best people that we can be for ourselves and our children. And at the end of the day, if we, I think we're really coming to terms with, we're not happy individually. I think we were taught that kids come first, kids come first, always, always, always business, kids, kids, and then and marriage, you know, last or, or self-preservation is last. I think that's changed. And I think that it's like when you're on the airplane, they tell you to put your mask on first before, you know, if it starts to go down so you can get the, you can get the air before you give it to your kid. You kind of have to do that because if not, you're, you're just, my own experience is you just, you're going to turn into a mess. So is your marriage or any relationship that you're in by this like unhealthy competition, striving for meeting a mark that's that's not necessarily realistic or I may not even work for you, you know? And I think the personal growth and looking out for yourself in a healthy way does just as much for your children or your relationship as making money, you know, or, you know, building yourself up financially in your way or, or striving towards that promotion or just being a better husband or whatever it is that we were taught to think is success. I think making yourself happy and, and knowing what that is and realizing that your children and your relationships are all component to that happiness, how you place them all appropriately and learning how to do that is 
the key to the glue in, in your family where there's going to be that healthy vibration. And it's not always easy to keep that because sometimes your, your perception of happiness and success could change but by the day. I know mine has. You know. I don't know if that answers that question. No, that's great. I mean, where I'm going, where my thoughts are going is when we, you know, don't make ourselves happy or use the the martyr more sacrifice model as a way of proving that, you know, we're good people, we're going to be there for our kids. What seemingly happens in at least some of the things I'm tracking is you grow resentment because you're giving and giving and you're not really taking care of yourself. And then you have these expectations of the other, which grow pretty toxic fields, like even abusive cycles at time, if we keep it real. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've experienced it firsthand, 100%, you know, and then becoming so spiteful towards life. And even, I'm even to the point of jealous of my wife and wanting to just like, like, you have to feel this pain that I'm feeling. You know, you know, I'm not showing up or I'm not, or I've been showing up and not getting to that mark that I want to get to. And I'm not the man that I want to be. And wow, 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 look what's happened to me. So you know what? You know, you should feel this. You should. And that's where that abuse comes in. And then it becomes, it just becomes cyclical back and forth. And it's just very, very, very hard to get out of that. And, you know, just as humans, especially in relationships, when you care about each other, you don't forget that easily, that, that stuff. You know, you gather a lot of moss, a lot of dirt in the process. And I think that's what we're going through now. You know, I think it's, it's for as far as our relationship goes, shedding a lot of that stuff off and realizing maybe some of the expectations that I set for my wife or myself or my children or, or what I expected from my life at you know, 144 or whatever, what I thought I wanted and that I maybe didn't see was there already, you know, in, in this way. And I was so misguided that I became extremely resentful to the point of nervous breakdowns, almost to the point. So much resentment, so much was built up. And, you know, almost lost my relationships and things that really mattered to me because of that. Yeah, because then that's the kind of stuff that justifies escapism, right? Escapism, lashing out, lethargic, just all of it. It's just it all, all, all the symptoms of an unhealthy mind. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate what you said that, like, I want you to feel this, you know what I mean? Gosh, I, I have heard myself say things of that ridiculousness in so many different times, especially to the romantic relationships I've had, where there's some desire for them to really, like, understand how I mean the pain is. And I think it's just to get the reflection. I don't even know that I want to make the other person feel bad. I think sometimes people feel bad because they might feel like they're a contributor to my feelings. Mm -hmm. That giving it away or getting it out of you is like we really want to be relieved so we don't keep holding it in because holding it in is where the escapism takes root, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think in every relationship, you know, everybody knows about that that first couple of years of, of a wonderful relationship when you're just in love. And that person is really, they're, they're, they're your medicine, they're your toy, they're your fun, they're your God, they're your everything, you know, they're your best friend. And you can get so much from them. And then all of a sudden, roles shift, life happens. And that person needs to be there for themselves or for their children or for their own family. And you're still calling on them for what was that acceptance, that love. Or, like, you can heal me. You, you, you know, you used to be able to heal me. You know, like, why can't you be here for me? Oh, you're not? Then you know what? You, you know, then you deserve to feel like shit like I do too. Because how come I'm in so much pain? How come I'm struggling so much? How come I'm so scared? And you're just able to go through 
this process. And that's what I've experienced with my wife. My wife just knows how to timeline herself, just go right through and wherever her reaction is, she just one door after the other. Where I'm not that old, you know, and I think I expected her to feel all that stuff. Like you need you know, you're really and not because I wanted her to hurt necessarily. It's just I wanted I wanted to feel better. You know, and I thought, well, she felt this pain. She's so strong. She'll make me feel better, you know? No. Now making her feel worse made me feel worse in the end. Because I love her. Because you care about the person, you know? And it starts to become very selfish. I agree. I agree. I've definitely uh, played that out myself here and there. And I think sometimes it's suggested that it's our parent wounds, you know? It's like, well, love me the way my mom or dad didn't love me or love me the way my mom did love me or like be what I need so that I can figure out how to do this because I'm scared to do it by myself and that's why we're together. So make me stronger. And, you know, I think those are all show little tricks. There. Yeah, show what? me you're there. That's why I married you, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for true, for true. Well, I guess faith comes in. So that'll bring us to the next question. Is there anything else about relationships that you want to speak about before we go to the next question? No. Okay. Well, that was great stuff, Ryan. And I really want to acknowledge this is this mid forties point, this like reflection station that happens in our life path and rites of passage. And it's just a time where you really can like see a certain amount of clarity and really pull from what's happened and grow forward with more of the precision you'd like. And I'm hearing that from you. So thanks, Ryan. You're welcome. And the next question is, how do you discern the truth? Like, how do you uh, know for yourself? You know, how do you spiritually connect so that you can trust yourself to make good decisions? You know, how do you establish that foundation for yourself? Kind of, kind of twofold. One, I think with the experiences that I've had in life already, where the, there, there is some knowledge that comes with, with experience and age and wisdom, and then faith. And then it really is 50-50, kind of like what we just talked about, like like knowing that I can get to the edge and that I've brought myself to the edge. So I can jump. I can take that step and realizing that a lot of the times it's not as far down as I'm going to go. It's just another step, you know? And I've been blessed enough to live in many places in the country. I've been through relationships. I've been through a lot of family upheaval, losses. People have been there for me. I've been there for them. To where at couple on to 44, I'm like, I, I do have enough wisdom to make some pretty good choices. And that even times where I've doubted my decisions, they've kind of led me to, not kind of, they have led me to where I am today and I'm secure with where I am today. So now well, here's where the faith comes in. You know, don't just don't make a knee-jerk decision, but also know that I'm making a decision based on my life experiences and my life experiences have brought me here. But there is there is a lot of faith involved. So definitely. So then you you trust yourself because you lived what you lived, and you know that you can lean in and you know come up and and readjust and stuff like that. Like you've seen it happen, and you trust it. And then when it gets really, you know, whatever, you know, big storm, you fall on faith, and you get to that faith to trust. How do you keep your faith? Like, what, do you have any spiritual practices that help kind of fortify that in you? Yeah, meditation, outdoors, mu music does a lot for me. For some reason, it opens up something in me. We're all set and I'll get stimulated with ideas or, or inspiration or relief. My children do a lot for me as well. You know, I think when you do have that, these loved ones that depend on you, that also, I mean, my children 
look to me for so much, but I look to them. They're nine and seven. I look to them for so much. They give me, they give me so much and not just in this like paternal type of way. Like I need to show up, but they give me so much to keep going and not just like for my household, just in life in general, because they're picking up all this stuff that I'm doing, you know? And I'm like, well, the way I handle this and the way I'm going to manage this is, is going to be what they're going to look to. And maybe those are some of the things we're going back to about being a man, what I learned from my father, that maybe I, I, I missed out on a lot of those things at, a, at an early age and my kids are getting the benefit. And I, instead of being like, well, you didn't, you know, I didn't have this, so why should you? I'm like, you know, this is an opportunity for me to create what I did want at that age. And it's, it's, it does something for me, something to fall back on. It's like a little methodical approach to looking at life for myself when um, I think about how I'm going to carry myself and how I'm going to make a decision. Times in the past when I having children has been really good for me because I think I think I had a little bit of a lack of appreciation for what I was in life or, or the role I was that I was I felt pretty insignificant, you know. And I think the significance of being a parent and feeling that unconditional love does a lot for me. To where I do think about the decisions I'm going to make, and they 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 shape my decisions, knowing that they my decisions affect them. So it forces me to think clearly and have a little more clarity about the next choice that I make, you know, mm -hmm. and then I still, I still have to go back and rely on faith. Sometimes I say, well, I, I don't know, God, I have no idea what's going to go on. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to rely on, I hope this is the right thing for me and them, you know, mm -hmm. uh, for all of us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But at least it right. puts some heart into it for me, where it's not just rudimentary and because I'll find like kind of utility in, in certain things in life. My kids bring a lot of flavor and, and substance to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, they bring their 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 curiosity, right? Their unique expression. Absolutely. They, they brought, and boy, that unconditional love that you get from your children. I remember the first time writing about that in my journal with my second son because I didn't necessarily catch that as much in the first one because it was a little bit traumatic. But I remember feeling so much better about myself because I felt so valuable because somebody was loving me so darn much, like. They, he just thought I was so funny. He just thought I was so great. Like, he just loved me. He just would, like, follow me around, like, ah, oh, that one, she's great. You know, and I'd be like, oh, that's awesome, you know? Yeah, so sure. it's really nice to have a fans club built in. You know, granted, they yeah. individuate, and they have to go through times that they don't think you're so great, but that's okay. You know, I mean, that's part of the process. You know, you got to bring it in and let it go and bring it in and let it go and bring it in and let it go, like, over and over, right? And then ultimately, I think, you know, you, you are going to let it go. Yeah, we all have to let it go. And I think knowing that too makes you really like engage with life experience and accepting that you, you are going to let it go eventually. One way or the other. They're going to move on, move out. We're going to pass away. We're going to move on. Nobody knows what's happening. But just for Yeah, now, it's a borrowed experience being a parent. It's a borrowed experience of, you know, being able to guide and grow more clear inside for sure. Yep. Nice. All right, well, this is one for one. We have one last thing, and we appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy, too, and thank you so much. And the last thing we want to touch on is shared values, you know, asking for some some suggestions from the different generations on what you believe might be, you know, one, two, three, whatever you have easily, some shared values we can consider for all of us, values that maybe might be more universal for the collective. I mean, you know, it's just the age-old stuff. Do it to, do it to others the way, you know, would you... Do it to, to yourself for yourself. Obviously, it's a golden rule. I think acceptance is a really big thing these days. 
accepting people along their way, realizing that like we are kind of this like interwoven, connected being that's, you know, kind of just flying through space together. And we really do have to cooperate. And in order to cooperate, though, we need to be the best that we can possibly be. I know what the best is to you. I think I think identifying with what the best is for us individually right now, especially as men, and realizing how it affects the world around us and that to get in touch with our hearts a little bit, that we can be a little softer and we can be a little more loving, we can be a little more accepting, but being a strong role model at the same time. I think that's a really big thing for men right now. I keep going back to the man thing because it's been in my head lately from the new experience I've had in my life about about, you know, that, that balance between feminine and masculine and being just a really good role model for everybody, for the planet, for everybody, you know, and do the, the best you can and leave as little behind you as possible. Nice. I like those. I like that doing your best and accepting stuff. I like it. All right. Well, you did it. We did great. Thank right. you so much, Ryan. I hope you have a blessed day. We'll talk again soon. Peace. Sounds great. Thank you, Madeline. Thank you. Bye. 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 Hi, this is Madeline again. If you're interested in learning more about co-creation and building a new foundation, check out the website gwtestfamily.com and get involved. Join us in growing this frequency of Draining more peace and harmony and possibility. Calling above and below to the space inside me that longs to glow. I call for the wisdom of my teachers and my elders and the wisest part of me. What is it that's going to set us free? How can we find harmony in this family? Please teach me. Show me the way. I know. The way will open. Where is it? Where's the vibe? Rhythm in the middle. Stay centered. Stay true. Do what you're here to do. That's what'll soothe your soul. Rhythm in the middle. Rhythm in the middle. Rhythm in the middle. 